welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hang Time Podcast. Joining us now, comedian Chelsea Peretti, NBA All-Star Roy Hibbert. Roy is our nation's most treasured actor. He's got chops, he's got talent, and he also has three tickets to Lakers. <laughs> Your host, Galliot Anderson, stops it down behind his head. Seku Smith. And Lang Whitaker. The NBA's executive vice president of basketball, versus Stu Jackson, is joining us now on the podcast. I wanted to ask you, Stu, the players see you coming. Do they get out of the way now? No, the worst thing that happened to me was uh, caller ID. Sports editor of the nation, Dave Zyron. Only the Knicks for $100 million would sign somebody with one eye and two microfracture surgeries. But shut my mouth. He's our most important New York Jew since Woody Allen. Now it's time for the tip-off. <laughs> Gentlemen, ladies, children, the whole nine. Welcome back. The Hang Time Podcast back on the air. We got to throw a shout out to our folks at Complex. Appreciate the love. The 12th best podcast on the the air right now in the world, in the whole world, Craig. You got to give some love up for the Hang Time Podcast crew for that. But Lang, before we we even dive off into it, we got new blood on the show this year. Um, Fresh meat. We might actually get some, some ladies to listen for once. Because we got a ball player, an actor, a renaissance man, the whole nine yards. Rick Fox, you'll see him on NBA TV this year. You might see him in a movie. You might see him anywhere. Uh, but he's the, the newest member of the Hangtime Podcast crew. Rick, welcome to the show. How you doing, my man? I'm doing good. Thank you so much. And congratulations on your excellence as a podcast. And now, now you're telling me we're... We're reaching the world. I'm nervous. <laughs> we're I'm nervous, man. We are ranked. I'm telling you, I didn't know we were ranked too early in the week. When I saw the number 12, I got excited. I've never been, never been this happy to be number 12 on anything in my life. That tells you where I'm coming from. So, so who we got to take down in the power rankings? Who's ahead? <laughs> I don't know. I think Martha Stewart and, uh, you know, a <laughs> couple comedians. Okay. <laughs> lightweights, lightweights. Yeah, we, I mean, we got this. We got this. But would be good. But Lang, I, I know you're in New York, and yes. uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Hurricane Sandy and all the devastation that's that's come from that. And uh, obviously, you you got power. I mean, you you're doing better than about six what six million other people. Yeah, um, I, mean, I got my dog running in a little treadmill over here to keep my computer <laughs> on during this podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, man, you know it happened. Uh, what was it Monday night? Just it was. Uh, I live in kind of Upper Manhattan, and up here it wasn't nearly as bad as it was downtown. There was a lot of uh, downtown. There's a lot of flooding and power problems and stuff. Well, you know, I kind of lost power just briefly, but there's people now who still don't have power, still don't have hot water. Um, subways still aren't running and that's, that's kind of a problem for everyone because, you know, I mean, I don't know, 90% of the employees in Manhattan take the subway to work. So there's a lot of businesses and stuff still aren't open. Um, so it's still a little crazy. You know, I'm going to the, supposed to go to the Brooklyn Nets game tomorrow night, Brooklyn against the Knicks, but subways aren't running over there. Um, so traffic's even worse than it normally is. It's taken a couple of hours to get anywhere up here. So, um, so I've, what, I've been, I've what, been brainstorming on, on email with a couple other guys trying to figure out how to get there. I might end up walking. So what, you, what you're telling me is that, um, everything's fine for the one percenters in upper Manhattan. Yeah, basically. And everybody else <laughs> get in where you fit in. Eat some, get some mac and cheese over, over the trash can and shut it up. <laughs> They still get the trick or treat up up in the east side. Up east is, side boy, I tell you what, Rick, it must be nice being I a mean, part of that one percent. If you say so, I mean, I'll go ask some of those one percenters if you want. I mean, <laughs> knock on your next door neighbor's door. He's gonna, <laughs> sitting over there with his robe on and ascot, smoking his pipe. 
<laughs> you say you say walk, Lang. That's actually an option now that yeah, it is. Brooklyn. It is. I mean, it's probably like I, I was trying to figure it out. It's probably like five or six miles from my house over there. The you know the 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 hardest part obviously is going. You got to go across one of the bridges. So either the Brooklyn Bridge or the Manhattan Bridge kind of goes right into the Barclays Center. I went out there last week to um, or two weeks ago for one of the preseason games. Um, it's a really cool arena. I, I was really impressed with it. And the, one of the great things about it is that the the way it's set up, you can there's something like 12 subway lines that go right underneath the arena, so you can get there from anywhere. Um, but you know, when the subways aren't running, that right. doesn't it's not really helpful. Yeah. But um, it's a cool arena. It's going to be neat to um, have them so close this year. You know, it used to just be the Knicks, and getting to Jersey was kind of a pain there was no easy way to get out to a Nets game but now it's going to be a lot simpler for a lot of people I would pay money to see you walk across the Manhattan Bridge to Brooklyn (laughs) I mean you don't you don't walk around the block let alone five six miles this could be pure comedy I'll send you my address (laughs) hey before before we forget we got another new face that you will see in here and another voice you'll hear on the Hangtime podcast Guys, we got a new producer. We lost Micah Hart. You know, he went back to the Hawks. One of the, one of the first times in the history of recorded time that somebody went back to the Hawks for anything. Um, Greg Wagan is now rocking with us here on the Hang Time Podcast, our new super producer. How What's you up, doing, fellas? Man? You good? You good in there? Definitely, definitely. Jarrell's keeping it uh, keeping it down in here. What, what has he got? Andrew, he's got his Andrew Luck bobblehead in there tapping it? Come on, man. We Listen, we – we don't have time for Jared. We we gonna leave him alone, guys. Did you did you get a chance to see it all? The uh, the start of what what everybody in Los Angeles thought was gonna be an eighty two and zero campaign for the Lakers on their way to a championship. What what happened to the Lakers last night? Whoa! Look look I I have been as excited as anyone. Uh, this remind is this team being put together reminds me of the two thousand and four team that we put together. Yeah. It ended in a debacle. <laughs> I mean, we made it to the finals that year in 2004. We got killed by the Detroit Pistons. But anytime you see, uh, you know, the basically the Beatles of basketball come mm-hmm. together, you know, you're just expecting to see, even from the start, even though the talk of chemistry needed to happen and that they needed a period of a month or so to find their way with the new system, the new offense, uh, it, you know, you still expected to see Kobe Bryant, Steve Nash, and, and Paul Gasol be – the all-stars and the superstars that they are. And in turn, you got a really pieced together Dallas Maverick team of nine uh, guys auditioning for, for salaries next year yeah. showed up and had, had the, the greater cohesion, uh, greater understanding of, of, of game plan and what they were looking to execute. And you ended up with a, a Laker team that just looked confused. And the 0-8 preseason now looks a little more, of a concern, yeah. and it should should be. Yeah, I, a couple of things jumped out to me. Number one, I, I thought the Lakers, Rick said, confused. And I just thought they couldn't find their tempo really the whole game. Um, you know, I mean, I think that I read somewhere that's the first game Steve Nash has had less than five assists since two thousand eight. Wow. Um, you know, he didn't look like he was very comfortable in that offense. Um, and and but more than that to me, you know, there was a lot of talk about the Princeton offense. I, I tweeted this last night. I was, it looked to me, it looked like they were playing the Princeton defense too, because Dallas shot almost 50% from the floor. Um, they were getting wide open looks almost every time down. It seemed like, and I just thought the Lakers were, you know, they looked like they could use another month of training camp. Yeah. I, Rick, you brought up that team 
from from 04 and I and I wrote about that um talking about them you know just saying that that is exactly what it reminds me of that you know when you when you take these faces that are Mount Rushmore faces on the NBA you know in terms of their respective franchises it's hard to assemble that and to get it all the way right like I'm talking from training camp all the way to winning the championship what what's the biggest adjustment those guys have to make to you know when you have Dwight Howard, Steve Nash trying to play with Kobe and Powell and, and Meta World Peace? What what where is the biggest tug for those guys in terms of getting adjusted? Uh, I would say uh, metaphorically sitting in the back seat of the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's one thing when it's uh, duo cornerstones like Shaq and Kobe, right. uh, two handers, Scotty and Michael, right. where someone when they're not driving are still co-piloting and they're in the front seat, you know? And when you put four guys together, someone's got to go sit in the back. Yeah. And and that's an uncomfortable, unusual position to be in and an unnatural position to be in for individuals that are used to being, you know, option A, option yeah. B at, at worst. And so that you could go, in the case of Steve Nash, you see Steve Nash, who's used to having the ball in his hands for 38 minutes of the game, he's running off ball and standing in corners trying to execute a Princeton offense that has that has not been in his 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 mind or in his his game plan for for years right he has been the game plan he has orchestrated shots for people you've had Kobe now who is who's used to a triangle and used to systems of basketball where he flows and understands where his options are you know his game's changing too he's having to defer to the individuals you know, that he maybe haven't had had to in his whole career. Paul Gasol looked the best out of all of them. Yeah, right. I, I mean, I also wonder how much of this is is you know, and normally when a new guy comes onto a team, that guy has to adjust to everything else. But you know, not only is it the new guys on the team, but the, this new offense they're switching to. How much does that delay, or not delay, but how much does that sort of slow down everybody getting together on the same page? Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think. It, it turns uh, an already arduous transition into something that could be, to, you know, just flat out tumultuous if they don't get it right. And yeah. the Princeton is—it's not like we're talking about learning some simple pick and roll offense. You know, this is a serious, this is a serious offense that you need time to figure out all the nuances of before you hit the floor and start playing games. And 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 guys, Chris Weber talked about this on uh, on our NBA TV airwaves. He talked exactly about this team needing maybe more time than than people might realize. And let's listen to what he said, and we'll talk about it after we hear. I think the bench definitely is a weakness, but I think a, a bigger weakness for them is experience. We saw what happened with Miami. Miami needed a year to play together and to win a championship. I, I still think they may need a year just to jail to get to know each other, and that might be their weakness, the lack of time they've had together. Now, now guys, I, I agree with C. Webb 100% right there. I just think that, too many times a team is assuming that they're going to do what Boston did when they got the big three together. And and I think we could all agree that was magic when you get, you know, all these big-name guys who are at a certain stage in their career. They came out not only with people in the preseason, they won 66 games, won a championship, and really there was no doubt in your mind once they got cranked after the first round of the playoffs that they were going, they were going to be tough to deal with. Do you think the Lakers – First game aside, I mean, it's one of 82, obviously. Do you think they have the makeup in terms, not just the star power, but those other guys, Rick, those those role players and those bench guys that you're going to need to step up and play big minutes for them later? Do they have the pieces 
to win it, or do they only have the marquee names? You think that that'll get that done? I've I've said that it was in in likeness to to Chris. It's going to take a minute for them, and and when I say it's going to take a minute, I remember the triangle offense, which is notoriously uh, comment, commented on as being the most difficult offense to pick up for players. Right. Uh, you don't hear that about the Princeton offense, but it took us in the triangle offense. It took us a year and a half to actually comprehend that and to cohesively run that offense without Phil Jackson having to call a timeout every five minutes. And, <laughs> and, and that, so that, so in that respect, it's going to take them time to figure out whatever offense they, they're looking to execute. Cause there are eight, 10 new guys coming together that haven't played together before that in itself is a challenge. Uh, regardless of the marquee names. I like the names that we have on paper. Mm-hmm. My concern is is the backcourt age uh, and the demands and the taxing uh, that's going to come on them defensively over the course of 82 games. And then when you look at the bench, I think there's still some unanswered questions there. You know, Antoine Jameson can be big. Jody Meeks has proven that he can be a scorer in this league. Uh, some of the younger players that you know are hoping – uh, to Jordan to have input into the into the, the bench play, I, I, they're going to have to be more consistent. We haven't seen it yet. Uh, a, a backup point guard to Steve Nash. If Steve goes down, they're in trouble. If Steve goes down, they're in trouble because there's not even to me a starting backup point guard on the bench. I thought Jordan Hill looked maybe like the best player on that team last at times because um, he was really working on the boards. You know, there was times where it'd be him surrounded by like four Mavericks and he was getting his hand on the ball or at least getting the rebound. Um, I thought Jordan Hill really played well last night. But, you know, looking at their roster right now, um, you know, they, they played nine guys last night. Um, all the starters played at least 34 minutes. Um, and as Rick said, you know, over 82 games, um, I think they're going to have to go a little deeper than that, especially with the age of, of that team. You know, they play tonight, right? They play Portland tonight. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they don't get a break. Um, so I, I think it's going to be interesting to watch to see how long it takes them to come together. And, and my other wonder or thought is, you know, how long does Mike Brown get to get this team to come together? Well, is this his team? Well, that's, that's a problem, question. guys. Mike Brown is the guy – Think about it now. If if this if this thing goes awry between now and Christmas, who's the first man voted off the island? You know it's Mike Brown. I mean, you know you know he's the one that's going to be sitting on the hot seat. You know they've put together a team that really has a short window. Yeah. So now if you jettison Mike Brown because of an inability to get out of the blocks quick enough, what you're saying is, in essence, we have to start over, unless you're picking up the pieces from someone on the bench, which is still the same. The right. same voice, the same. Right. It's the same through line from same the regime. Same regime, and and if that's the case, now you're one year older in your backcourt, and you're bringing in who? Uh, someone that's going to come in and have to implement a new system. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, it really is, uh, you know, for the Lakers' uh, sake, imperative that they they at least create some type of cohesion and some some type of understanding and chemistry within the next twenty games here. So this thing doesn't, you know, derail and spin out really quickly. Because I mean, everyone's sitting and waiting. We love train wreck TV around. I mean, everybody loves to wait and see something go off the rails. I, I hate to admit it, but last <laughs> night, I'm and, and guys, I was in Miami last night. You know what everybody was watching in the? Hey, in you, the don't, you don't in, need to brag about that, man. <laughs> <laughs> but I, <laughs> I'm serious. Everybody after the game, and and this is not a shot at the Heat, but it did take them like an hour and a half to come out of the locker room last night. 
everybody had time to sit and watch the Lakers. And we stand in that Heat locker room, and you can see the looks on people's faces. Some of the Heat players looking and kind of crinkling their noses up at the screen like, really, they're letting the Mavericks do this to them? You know, it's the whole league is going to want a piece if they think the Lakers are vulnerable. Oh, oh you better believe it. <laughs> Weakness. Look, look, and the Lakers are going to get the, everyone's best effort. Yeah. Every time they see them. Yeah. Guys, transitioning a little bit away from that, that Lakers performance last night, that, that game in, in Miami, it had an interesting dynamic to it. You know, the schedule makers at the NBA, who we've long been trying to get on the show, Lang, as you well know, they won't come on. We'd, I'd love to know <laughs> what made them put the Heat and Celtics, you know, together on opening night. But they couldn't have found a better matchup. Ray Allen against his former team. He gets he gets the win. He comes off the bench with 19 big points, but he did not get the love from KG last night, guys. Listen to, listen to what he had to say after getting snubbed by KG when he went over to, you know, pass out some hugs and handshakes on that Celtics bench. Obviously, we didn't know what cover subs you'd get from your former teammates. We saw you go over to him before the game. KG, for one, totally uh, ignored you. What was your reaction? What were your feelings when you saw that? Uh, that's just KG. Um, he probably didn't even see me coming because his head's down all the time on the bench. <laughs> Diplomatic response from Ray Allen. We talked to him about it in the locker room as well. Craig Sager asking him about it right after the game on TNT. Classy move, typical KG. I mean, classy move from Ray Allen, but typical KG response, you think, Rick? Lang? Yeah, this, I mean, it's KG. This is what we get. We we don't. I didn't expect anything less. I thought he gave him way too much if he was going <laughs> to stay in character. Uh, uh, but that, you know, that's Ray Allen, too, like you said. Ray is classy, and, and, and that's what we've, we've known him as, as that for his whole career. Yeah. And he, once again, on, on the court when he stepped across the line, did exactly what we expect Ray Allen to do, which is, you know, hurt you if you leave him open. And he's going to make the difference on that Miami Heat team in that respect, stretching the floor. You saw where he ran the floor last night. And LeBron James was pushing the ball, and usually people would stop LeBron James before he hit the paint. Uh, and there'd yeah. be a kick out to Ray Allen. wasn't It wasn't a stop. You know, LeBron James went straight to the front of the rim because you couldn't leave Ray Allen. So I, the Celtics are, are bitter. They're going to carry that bitterness probably the whole season. Which I would, I would suggest to them is that they get past that as quickly as possible because it's only going to add. It's only going to create energy in the wrong direction. They're going to be giving Ray Allen the heat. All of this hatred and energy, and it's going to pull from their focus because obviously it didn't pay off last night in lifting them to some, you know, redemptive win for what Ray did. Right. I, I, I think it's funny that Ray Allen wants us to believe that one of the best help defenders in the NBA didn't see someone coming <laughs> to, to, to begin with. And then, uh, you know, what do you expect from KG? Think yeah. You want him to all of a sudden be Mr. Nice Guy? That, that's what he does. That's who he is. Um, you know, my I was more curious, you know, as Rick was saying, you know, they, they kind of pour all that energy and passion in, into that rivalry. But in a way, that kind of seems to me to be what fuels the Celtics. Yeah. You know, they kind of need that. They need something to energize them, to motivate them at this point, um, you know, because they've been doing this for a long time. And, you know, I, I think those kind of things are the things that are going to drive them as the season goes along. Now, maybe even that's not enough when they're playing Miami. Um but but I think on, on you know on a night to night basis they look for those little things to kind of get them going. Yeah, and I and the one other thing I noticed about that matchup last night, and I wrote about it this morning on the Hangtime blog, 
the Celtics have so many new faces in that locker room. I was walking around the locker room before the game last night. I'm like, what in the world? Like, they only have five guys who played on that team last year. And really, Jeff Green didn't play. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they have four guys, basically. He's on my fantasy team. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, well, you need some help after last night. He he had a rough one. He had a rough one. But I'm not sure that we're giving the the proper amount of time needed for the for the Celtics to get adjusted. I mean, like the Lakers need some time. The Celtics are going to need a little bit of time to get their chemistry together, too, because they didn't play Celtics defense last night. And you could tell KG and Paul Pierce – and even Rondo, they caught themselves from going off on Courtney Lee and, and Jason Terry a couple of times for not being in the right spot, not, you know, not rotating when you need to on defense. That's going to take some time in practice and in other games to get down before they, they look like the Celtics we know. Are we allowed to give them time? Because we're not giving the Lakers any time. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, they're only a three-headed monster. Exactly. Exactly. But in the – youth too that's the other thing you yeah. know what, what how many young players get drafted come into this league and affect it the way you know lebron does it's going to take those young kids at least at least 40 games to uh, to get the, the, uh, their their belt sense of how they can affect the game and contribute to the to the celtics i do once again though feel like there was so much energy from both sides and for both teams emotionally last night that i don't know what the age the celtics are at if they can if they can maintain 48 minutes of of emotion yeah. uh, and, and still have something left in the tank at the end of the 82-game season. Yeah, I, I was tweeting about it as a joke last night. I don't see I don't see that changing between now and the conference finals if these two were to find themselves there matched up again. It's the same – I mean, it would just be like that same game playing out night after night. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. I mean, it's – they're older, although they have some youth. I think the the Heat have gotten better. Uh, they're, you know, they're, they're, they really believe they don't have a chance to defend their title. Do you see them repeating this year? I, yes, I do. I see them because, you know, LeBron has one, D-Wade has two. And, you, you know, now they're just playing for, you know, their legacy. Before, it was playing for the championship. Now they have one, D-Wade, Udonis, they have two. Now it's all about their legacy. So, and, 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 and then with Dwight leaving Orlando, because that was their only threat in the East. With Dwight leaving Orlando, they they definitely have a free run. So, you know, uh, health is going to be key. Uh, how they play is, 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 is going to be key. And hitting timely shots from all the shooters. They have a lot of dangerous shooters, shooters now. Mike Miller's still there. Mm. Ray Allen, Rashad Lewis. So you could double LeBron and D-Wade if you want to. Actually won a, a ring and knowing that they've got that off their back, LeBron in general I'm speaking mm-hmm. about, uh, seeing what I see from the Lakers out here after nine games, I know eight of them were preseason, but still knowing that they got a long way to go. Yeah. The, yeah. the trade of Harden, uh, I think, creates a, a challenger for the Oklahoma City Thunder to create chemistry, and I like I like the Heat. I, I like the Heat, too. Um, where would you rather spend your time – at the end of the NBA season, um, LA and Miami or San Antonio and Boston. I mean, let's be, let's just tell the truth. Why, why would we kid around? I mean, let's, let's go to LA and Miami, see how many, uh, you know, stars we can spot. Rick can let us hang out in his neighborhood. We'll see if we, you know, meet Halle Berry or somebody and it'll all be good. We can go to Rick's house and eat vegan food. <laughs> You'd be a vegan for a week. <laughs> but yeah, guys, you mentioned that, that James Harden trade, um, do, do you think that that is the move? 
that either takes the Thunder out of that mix for that top spot? Like, are they not the the clear cut favorite in the West by by moving a guy who's the reigning Six Man of the Year, um, guy who fell down a little bit in the finals, obviously, but but was a huge part of their their puzzle and what they were trying to do. Overall, the deal itself was was an amazing deal for Oklahoma City, the City Thunder. When you talk about just what they got in return from draft picks to uh, a Vinnie a Vinny Johnson esque mm. Kevin Martin, uh, a, Jer- a Jeremy Lamb, who I think after seeing him in the the summer league is going to have a really bright future in this league. Uh, they got they got an opportunity to replace the scoring from the bench. I don't know if we're going to get the same defensive intensity or the same cohesive flow that James Harden brought to that team when Durant or Westbrook was on, on, on the bench resting. But what I, what, what I like about the trade for Oklahoma City Thunder is the fact that I think I get a, a, a bigger batter Durant. Mm-hmm. And, and I've always thought that Durant became more passive when, the three, when those three stars were on the floor at the same time or when at times uh, either Russell Westbrook or or Kevin Hart, uh, James Harden took over the dominance of the ball, and and at the end of the day, they go as Durant goes, and and yeah. he has the opportunity to carry them and dominate games. And when he's not doing that, I, it's always because he, he he sits in the back seat of the car, yeah, and yeah. some people aren't meant to drive in the back seat of the car; yeah. they fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know the the thing to me that makes me curious about this trade is. It's, you know, bas- basketball reasons aside, just chemistry, I think, you know, that team, all those guys came up together. They're all young. They're all on Twitter. They all dress crazy. They, you know, they like to have fun. They're in these commercials and stuff. That, and, you know, Harden had the crazy beard. He was a good character, fit off the bench, all that stuff. You know, I, and I just wonder if losing him, you know, in some way makes it a, a, just a different dynamic in Oklahoma city and, you know, they kind of had that dynamic of these young guys, this kind of YOLO attitude thing. And now all of a sudden it's a different team. It's a different feel. It's a, you know, different chemistry. And I wonder how much that's going to play a part in all this stuff. If they hadn't done this already though, if they hadn't traded Jeff green and, and gone through this process once before with another guy who was a part of their young core at one point, I think it would be tougher to do, but this, it's the culture of that organization. You either, you either work the way they work, you you know, you get in line and and do what the leaders of that team do or you or you you go elsewhere. And I think going back to the finals, you saw James Harden's process was getting a little different. Yeah, I mean, he just <laughs> no I'm saying he he, he went <laughs> he, I'm serious, he just went out of the lines a little bit during the finals. And, and I mean, that's a that's a big stage, man. Yeah. One thing to draft and and under the shades of of two guys like West, Westbrook and Durant and get in there during the regular season and do your thing. But under those lights, when you got to step up, some people you know some people hold pat and still deliver what they can give you, but don't go to another level. Uh, I, that's just my opinion. Uh, I'm not gonna stamp him that already. But uh, well, I'll tell you, luckily, there's never been guys who struggled in the finals and went on to be finals MVPs. You know, no, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying he's 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 leaving a six man role on a team with two stars already stacked there, taking all the pressure. Now he and Jeremy Lin have to be the faces of a franchise in Houston, and the expectation is going to be through the roof. That's that's a different world now. It's a whole different world for James Harden. Lang, I'll leave you with this. 
and say, cool, you back me up, man, because you brought it up. <laughs> I'm, I will. Don't worry. You're basically saying, Lang, then that Dirk Nowitzki had a bad finals, came back, was MVP. LeBron James had a bad finals, came back, was MVP. You're telling me that James Harden is going to go to Houston and be as bad and dominant as those two guys? I'm just saying. I'm just saying he's not going to be as bad as he was in the finals forever. <laughs> he may never get back there. Exactly. That's he might. He's got to get to the playoffs first. I'm just saying. I just don't want to write a guy off it because he had one bad finals. That's basically what I'm saying. They got to build with. They got to build with pieces. I just don't know if he's that number one. I think he's a B player. I think he's the the number two. There it is. There it is. Rick Fox. We'll talk to you next week, my man. Appreciate you. I love it. All right, Lang. I, I'm gonna back Rick up on that one, and I'm and I yeah I started it. I I knew I was gonna be the one that had to stir this thing up. I'm so I'm sorry. I apologize to the Harden family. I'm only saying that transition from six man, you know, super sub, all that, to being the face of a franchise, a guy that's supposed to carry the show. I just don't know. I I don't, I don't know if he's ready for that role. I don't know if I don't. You know, I I have questions about he and Jeremy Lin. It's not just right. James Harden. I mean, you're asking two guys. One who's who's been in the spotlight for what six months, and the other one who's never had the pressure of carrying the franchise. James Harden did not walk into that arena in Oklahoma City one time with the weight of the world on his shoulders the way Kevin Durant has, or with the scrutiny on his game the way Russell Westbrook has. Right well, now, you're you know, asking him to be in the eye of that storm night after night. I'm not saying he can't do it. Yeah, I'm saying we I, don't know if he can. And I mean, he hit big shots. He was in big situations. Yeah, he yeah. Went to the finals. No question. Um, you know, I, I, I agree with you, though. Like, it's not a proven commodity you're getting here. Sure. And I mean, I kind of feel the same way about Lynn. You know, I mean, as great as he was last season, he started, what, 25 games before he got injured. So yeah. I, I think, you know, this is a kind of thing where you've got two young guys, and the Rockets have been kind of waiting for this situation to get some young guys. They tried to get Dwight. They tried to get all these other younger guys, and now they're, they're going to end up with Lynn and Harden, and they're going to bank on these two guys. And now it's just, you know, what can they do it? Are these the two guys, are they who we thought they were? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. That that'll be that should be the new uh, the new motto down in Houston. They got to put that on some T-shirts and banner. <laughs> and, I, and, you know, and with Harden, I just – I've heard a lot of people bring up that he, that he struggled in the finals – and and he did obviously he didn't play as well as he as he had during the season and during the playoffs and you know he didn't play as the game that helped bring them to the finals but to me you know that's what five games four games I mean I, yeah. I think this is a guy who who you don't judge him on that one little blip you judge yeah. him on the, the bigger body of his work and I sure. think he's going to have an opportunity to, to you know at some point get back on a big stage like that and and I, I think. He learns from that situation. And we didn't even bring this up, but that's another thing to me that with Oklahoma City that I've, I was really impressed. I've been impressed by them for the last few years is that whenever they get in a situation and they and they fail, they seem to learn from it. You know, when they get to a point in the playoffs and they lose, they lose in the regular season, they learn from it and they get better and they, and they go further the next time. Yeah. Um, and I wondered, you know, going to the finals, you know, and losing like they did, maybe that. Maybe that was the lesson they needed to learn. Maybe they learned from that, and now they know how to turn the corner and get further the next time. Yeah. I I just uh, I think it's interesting. There's going to be quite a bit of attention in, in all these different places. I can't remember the last time we had this kind of uncertainty, and I, I wrote about it earlier this week, really, the, before the games got started. The This kind of uncertainty in so many different places that we thought would be 
something else. Like we thought Oklahoma City was sound. We said, hey, they, you know, they got their young quarterback. You know, they went to the finals last year. They got a chance to come back and get over that mountain this year. <laughs> now we got to wait and see. We thought the Lakers were going to be, you know, this powerhouse instant, you know, instant oatmeal championship squad. And then they lose every game in the preseason, then go out and open the night and get handled by a Mavericks team that's, let's face it, without Dirk, totally revamped. Nobody, seriously, outside of Sean Marion, other than other than Tricks, who who really thought the Mavericks were going in there to win by 10 last night? Yeah, totally. You know, or, or going in there to win a game and, be, and, and control it the way they did down the stretch. You know, they're real. You know, people are realists. You know, head coaches understand the, the challenges they have. The Lakers should, on paper, be you know sh- should be giving people the business this year, but they're going to have to go out and prove it. I think this the era changed, the the culture changed around the league when Miami put together their big uh, victory, you know, on the heels of what Boston did. Everybody assumed that this stuff happened overnight. I'm not sure. I'm not sure you can do that anymore. I think the league is too competitive right now for you to get anything on on paper and just on on the fact of your you get you got this certain reputation or you should be this or that. You could you there was a time when you'd be able to come in the league and intimidate your way to fifty some wins laying. You gotta go out and earn them now. You gotta go out right. and earn them night after night. And uh I'm I'm gonna enjoy watching the Lakers try and get that done because I think they're certainly capable. But but watching them go through the process might be more entertaining than the end result. I think watching them get there is what's really gonna show us what this Lakers team is made of, and what some of these other teams are made of, how they get to the end of the season is going to be just as impressive and important as anything they do come playoff time. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. And, you know, it's funny to hear, to hear us. <laughs> you know, if there's anything I've learned in 12 years <laughs> covering the NBA, it's that this is a marathon, not yes. a sprint. Yes, And we're all ready to write off the Lakers and the Celtics. I know. Give the Heat the title. I know. And, you know, all this stuff already, so <laughs> – you know, obviously, we we got a, we got a long way to go here. Yeah, man, that's what we do on the Hang Time Podcast. We jump to the conclusions, then we come back next week and apologize. Um, <laughs> Lang, it's I got a I got an itchy feeling now. This is going to be a crazy year. We got Rick Fox hanging with us now on the Hang Time Podcast. We got our new super producer behind the glass, Greg Wagan. We got Andrew Lux, uh, you know, long lost brother in there on the controls. You know, he's in there smiling his Colt smile. Got his horseshoe tattoo. Peyton Manning is gone, Gerald. Let it go. It's over. It's over, bro. Uh, Never. Lang Whitaker, New York. He survived the storm, and he, you know, he will be back right in the same spot next week. Sekou Smith from the Hangtime Blog at NBA.com. Appreciate you joining us. Glad to be back. A new season, a fresh start for us. You know, award-winning Hangtime Pods. We got a couple of free agents in. You know, we paid top dollar for some, others not so much. Sorry about that. You know, the money's tight around here. We got a budget, but we appreciate you hanging out with us. And we will see you right here in a week from now. Later. Thanks for listening to the Hang Time Podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. Be sure to check out the Hang Time blog on NBA.com. And for more of Lang, visit SlamOnline.com. You can follow Seku and Lang on Twitter at SekuSmithNBA and Lang with it. The Smyrna Spartans have yet to get on Twitter, but we'll let you know when they do. <laughs>